Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, what a big deal it was. The first big domino to fall in the offseason, the non-quarterback variety, that is. Yes, we're talking about the J.J. Watt signing. Didn't expect it, yet here we are, and here he is. We dive into the move and what it's going to mean on and off the field to have J.J. Watt in uniform this season. It's Cardinals Cover 2, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Twice now, back-to-back seasons, GM Steve Keim has pulled the proverbial rabbit out of the hats. First MJ, it was DeAndre Hopkins, which seemingly came out of nowhere, at least for me. Then J.J. Watts. A matter of coincidence that both are or were Houston Texans, you think? Well, Bill O'Brien, um, you know, he was there and then he was fired. J.J. Watt had a conversation with the family and he asked for his release, so a little bit different. But it was just so much speculation. You know, every teams are looking for, you know, defensive tackles who can rush the passer. And the fact that he played a ton of snaps last year and he was double-teamed 36% of the time – um, but he broke his own news, and it was fascinating because Buffalo, they used their first two picks in the draft for pass rushers. In Tennessee, you know, they all, always had interest. I think the Colts would have interest. And then out of left field, he announces it. So um, I, it's coincidental or maybe that they're both from the Texans, but – they both wanted out. Yes, and I think that is there's always that team, and you have to be aware of this as a front office because you're always looking, you're always listening, you're always reading for these little hints, and we've seen it certainly around professional sports. Those superstars, if you will, their voice, you have to listen. They carry a lot of weight, and it's kind of migrating over to the NFL a little bit more. Now it's not every player. There has to be a certain cachet, if you will, a certain resume that you have to have if you want to kind of force your way or suggest, hey, you know what, I'm really not happy here. I would prefer to be elsewhere. It's not going to work for everyone, but there are players and then there are teams that, hey, you know what, raise my hand and if you're looking, maybe there is something here. And it just so happens that the Cardinals have made it work each of the past two seasons. Now, when this J.J. Watt news before he announced where he was going, there were rumblings. Well, there weren't rumblings. I mean, he had been released and I remember distinctly talking about it here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, about the possibility of Watt in a Cardinals uniform. Neither of us thought it was going to happen. Shows everyone what we know. By the way, it was episode 396. Go back in the archives. Yet, we talked about it, and we did say it was worth picking up the phone and calling and checking, because it never hurts to ask. What's the worst? Oh, you're told no. All right, fine. But you never know unless you pick up the phone, and the Cardinals did just that. And there was no rumors. They were never mentioned as one of the teams, and that's what made it very interesting for me because you know there was speculation out there and rumors, and he said, listen, there's nothing coming from our camp. And if it's coming from a team, then they're trying to, you know, hey, show their fan base. We're in. There was zero from the Cardinals. We had no idea. And you wrote it down, March 1st, 10.46 a.m. Yeah, the tweets, quotes, source me. Those <laughs> words were above a picture of J.J. Watt working out in a Cardinals t-shirt. The press release followed about 15 minutes later, and I distinctly remember because, again, it was a year ago. We're all working from home. You and I were about ready to do a show talking about, at that time, outside linebackers just kind of doing our position-by-position analysis ahead of the draft, which we do every year, and then we kind of do it here in the offseason, which we're doing as we speak before training camp. And it popped up because it was retweeted by maybe Adam Schefter or someone, and I'm looking at this, and it's like, this, this, this can't be real, can it? And then there's the blue check mark, and then... And then there was not much going on. I was like, MJ, are you are you on are you online? Are you are you watching this? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? And then there were more retweets, more retweets, and I was like, 
oh my goodness, this is actually happening. And then minutes go by, and on azcardinals.com, Darren Norman has a story, and it's like, all right, well, this is official. This is happening. And it's like, <laughs> and it's like okay, well, we just need to do a hard rights and redo what we had planned for that day's show. And even going back weeks earlier, the, the thinking of J.J. Watt in a Cardinals uniform, I mean, it made sense, but the questions that I had at least, and I can't remember what your stance, MJ, but all right, one – could the Cardinals afford him? Two, would J.J. Watt even consider coming to the Cardinals because those type of players late in their careers, after so many years in one spot, you're looking for a team that can be a contender and maybe in that win-now mode. And let's be honest, the Cardinals two years into Kingsbury and Kyler Murray weren't really in that, hey, a playoff team, a contending team, if you will. Now you added J.J. Watt and that changes things. But going into it, it was like, well, you know, there's the Pittsburgh Steelers. He could go play with his brother. Uh, the Green Bay Packers going back home to Wisconsin. So it didn't, it didn't really make a lot of sense from the outside looking in. And that was kind of my perspective of it all. Again, relationships. I mean, he's familiar with the defense. He was with uh, Vance when he was a position coach in Houston. And then the fact that, you know, like I think A.J. Green. I mean, I just think, you know, the weather, they've been playing. You know, one was playing in Cincinnati on turf. One was playing in Houston. Um, They do have a retractable uh, roof there, but – I just think they both hit the reset button on and, and and again they were five and two and six and three, and if you watched you know what happened down the stretch, I think we we look at okay they weren't able to finish they couldn't close in weeks sixteen and seventeen, but from an outside perspective you got to think they got the franchise quarterback, they got a number one wide receiver, their offense line doesn't get the credit, and then you know between all this time they acquire Rodney Hudson so. I could see it appealing for guys that were in situations where they really think their franchises were putting their money where their mouth was. Well, remember what J.J. Watts said during his introductory press conference. He mentioned he texted Kyler Murray, quote, I'm here because I believe in you, end quotes. So that, to me, spoke volumes of not what we think of Kyler Murray or what we hear from Cardinal players or Cardinal coaches or the Cardinals front office. I mean, this is someone that in a different conference, let alone a different division, and someone from the outside who really has to pay attention if you want to figure out what the Cardinals are doing week in and week out, especially when you're in Houston and that you know market in Texas. But there is, to a certain extent, there is Kyler Murray known within that state, within that area. So perhaps maybe there is a little bit more news in that market as far as what Kyler Murray is and was doing. And now J.J. Watt says, yeah, I want to be a part of that. There's one thing that sticks out to me. I can't remember or recall another player that was either signed as a free agent or a trade, maybe Hopkins. But the way that the community has embraced him, the way he's reached out to the community, obviously with the Pat Tillman Foundation, with the, with the uh, sneakers, and you know, a portion of that's going to go back to the foundation – um, and it's kind of like Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul is doing it on the court. I hope he has a similar impact with this Cardinal defense, but he's everywhere. He, and he, he watches a ton of sports. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a star. He's just not a big fish that was in Houston. I mean, this guy is a little bit legitimately a future Hall of Famer, and he comes with a lot of respect, and you can see he's always working out. So I've been thoroughly impressed with his leadership. We know about the physicality, and that's why – you know, when we talk about the offensive line, I, I think they're their strength on the on the uh, offense as a whole. Now, they have better skill positions, but you got to protect Kyler Murray and you got to run the ball. But I think this is the most um, improved group on paper, the defensive line. You know, the corners, we we got to find out. We know they, they're going to rely on some young linebackers or some veteran outside backers, but I think this group um, is probably the most improved on paper. Now we need to see it, and I love that. On paper, those two words that we constantly talk and reference here in the offseason because I do think you're right with everything that has been added and then hopefully a healthy Jordan Phillips, which we'll get into here in a moment, then all of a sudden that that is a 
front, the first line of defense, if you will, that now all of a sudden maybe not much is asked or not nearly as much is asked of your linebackers or your secondary because those guys up front, whether it's two, three, or four, can really handle things or at least slow down ball carriers or at least get to the quarterback and make the quarterback rush a little bit more in their uh, thinking and and processing information and get that ball out a little quicker. So I I I I, I do like what you said. I'd, I'd also add as far as another position group that we did talk about earlier this offseason is wide receiver. As far as maybe that's another position that certainly needs to have an improvement this coming season. Wide receiver on offense and defensive line on defense. I, I don't disagree. And once uh, Kyler Murray said, hey. We have enough weapons on the outside. I was sold because he would know more than any of us besides what the front office and the coaching staff looks on film. Um, so I just took a, a, that side of the ball, and I think it, you know, just based on um, Jordan Phillips, hopefully he's motivated. Uh, I like what he was able to do in the offseason. I, I didn't want him to see him standing there. Um, and then you look at the young uh, Rashard Lawrence and Lucky Foe too, and then Zach Allen we don't talk about enough. And I, I'm really curious to see how Vance is going to use J.J. Watt because, you know, to me, he's not going to face the same double teams, uh, 36%, which led the NFL last year. He played over 1,000 snaps. You want to make sure he's fresh, you know, in November and December, and it's easier said than done. It sounds good in theory, but, you know, I don't think he's going to be regulated to just a pass rusher because his rush defense is really good. So I'm curious how they move him around a little bit. But, you know, that's a good dilemma. Those are champagne problems. You know, who am I going to line him up against? And so I'm really curious to see, you know, his snap count in September, what it looks like as the season progresses. Because having him on the field, you have to ID him if you're the opposing quarterback when you break the huddle. Well, we did hear Coach Joseph mention that they certainly don't want Watt on the field for over 1,000 snaps, which is how many he played a year ago. And to your point, it's not being that guy in September or October. It's December. When you're making that playoff push, be as fresh as you can. Now, everyone, once the season starts, you're never 100%, but can you be a little bit better, a little bit quicker? Quicker, a little bit faster in December for those final five, six games. And then all of a sudden, maybe you're not on the field for 90% of the snaps in those first couple of games because last year, 1,013 snaps played by J.J. Watt. 91% of the overall defensive snaps by the Houston Texans. Now, props to him for playing all 16 games because keeping J.J. Watt healthy is something that has been the knock on him over the last several years. He's only played 16 games twice over the past five seasons, so injuries have been a factor. But I certainly don't care to see J.J. Watt on the field a thousand snaps this year. Now, it's, it is going to be difficult, MJ, because when you have someone of that stature, someone of that talent, and it is week one, and you need to win as many games as possible. You're hoping to win every single game. That's the mindset going in each week. Yet, you see J.J. Watt on the sideline on a second and three, and we get calls in the postgame show, or we get asked to Kingsbury or Vance Joseph the following week, you know, why is J.J. Watt on the sideline here in September? Well, you know, it's a long-term plan, yet you do have to kind of weigh, all right, this is a key series, this is a key down, we want our best players out there, and then maybe you dial it back if you get a big lead or if, you know, it's second and 13 and maybe you put more pass rushers out there that are standing up as opposed to being in a three-point stance. That's what I said. It's going to be fascinating how to use them in, you know, like – you brought up a good example. If it's second and 13 or third and 15, that's not a rushing down. Okay. So, again, he can get to the quarterback. That's the problem. It's not like he's a one trick pony. He can, I mean, based if he gets one on one matchups, and we know that this team struggled last year. Uh, we'll get into some of the numbers when it came to stopping the run. But, yeah, I, I it's hard to say. I, I remember Billy Davis telling me uh, the first week when they faced Detroit and the game went to overtime. And T. Sizzle, I think he had four and a half, five sacks made in the first month of the season. And he knew he was winded. And he said, I just couldn't leave a Hall of Famer on the sidelines. I had to put him out there. It's the optics. That's how it looks. And, you know, you don't want to disrespect a player. Yet at the same time, your goal as a head coach is to win the ball game, you know, and put your best players out there. And, 
it's it's going to be a, a, an interesting conversation. I don't know if we'll ever really know what those conversations are between coaches and J.J. Watt as far as, look, you know, we applaud you for wanting to be out there every single snap. But let's be honest, you know, every game is important, but there are certain times during a game, hey, you know what, we're up 21. You know, maybe we really don't need you right now, and you can take – a snap or two off. It's not like he's only going to play 30% of the defensive snaps the first month of the season. Well, I mean, they're going to get tested early and often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got Derrick Henry, so we know that they're going to try to throw the ball uh, just based on Julio and A.J. Brown. And then you got Delvin Cook in week two. You got Justin Jefferson. I don't think Kirk Cousins gets enough credit with protection. He can make all the throws. So uh, maybe he's on the field a little bit more. And, and, at the end of the day, it's all about him staying healthy. He played all 16 games, as you mentioned, 1,013 snaps, which is 91%. Um, he's missed 32 games in the last five years. But sign me up for 14 or 17 game schedule. Sign me up for 15 or 16. But he has to stay healthy because he he brings so much to this team in the locker room, on the practice field, and, and I can't imagine how he is on game day in the locker room. That will be fun to watch because we've seen how he is in practice. OTA's minicamp, they're not going full speed, yet number 99 is at the front of a line for every single drill. He's jogging from drill to drill. He's always talking. He's always assisting. There's some trash talk as well. You talked about how much he has embraced this community, this state. Well, he's embraced this team as well, and he's not come in and walked in as the big man on campus. Hey, I'm J.J. Watt, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, future Hall of Famer, look at me. He doesn't act like that. We've heard that from Buda Baker. We've heard that from D.J. Humphreys. J.J. Watt is one of the guys. And the perfect example is how he treated Zayvon Collins on the golf course earlier this offseason. And, you know, Collins missed breakfast, didn't bring breakfast. So J.J. Watt had him roll down the fairway of the 18th green. Just fun stuff like that. Not walking in and, you know, demanding things. You know, the largest locker, which, you know, all the lockers in there are the same size. But just, you know, certain things that a superstar, you would not begrudge them. I mean, they're entitled to some of this stuff. He just wants to be a part of everyone. It's not unlike Larry Fitzgerald, how he handles these young wide receivers over the past couple of years as far as just being one of those guys and feeling young again. And maybe this, we talked about after 10 seasons in Houston, maybe this is uh, so a, a rebirth, if you will, for J.J. Watt here in the desert. Well, let's go back to another thing that he did. Uh, we were all wondering, is he going to wear number 99? And then we know that Marshall Goldberg, uh, obviously the number was retired, and he reached out to his daughter, and now he's going to wear in honor of Marshall Goldberg, who was part of the um, 47 championship team, and he served in the U.S. Navy during the World War II, as you pointed out on our show sheet here. So that's another thing that, you know, maybe we just say, hey, okay, he did the right thing, he reached out. Because she, I think TMZ got a hold of her and she said, yes, I'm, I'm, we're all for it. My father would love to see that jersey back on the field. But that, those are the little things that you could just see he gets it. He's a pro's pro. And let's make something perfectly clear here, Berg Gang. It was not J.J. Watt's intention to wear 99 here with the Cardinals. He was informed that that number was retired and was going to look for other numbers until that TMZ reports. And then the next day, J.J. Watt picked up the phone and talked with Goldberg's daughter. So this is, again, it's not someone that walked in and said, I need A, B, and C, and D for me to be here and X, Y, and Z for me to stay here and be happy. That's... That hasn't been the case, and it, it's it's refreshing when you have someone of that stature just walk in and be normal because everything about him that we see from the outside as fans, as media, on television, anything but normal. They're, they're you know world-famous and then larger-than-life superstars doing something that every kid hopes to one day be that person, and how many actually do? It's less than 1% actually reach the pinnacle in professional football. I'll say this. I mean, yes, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's, he's won the MVP. He's been Defensive Player of the Year. But he was able to raise $40 million in Houston. $40 million. Yeah, it's, it's amazing his reach. Just And he's certainly worked hard 
at that reach. And now the Cardinals certainly hope to see some of that materialize on the field as we continue here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. J.J. Watt, as far as his age, a lot of discussion about that after he signed with the Cardinals. Interesting, it was not major talking point before he signed with the Cardinals, but certainly afterwards. And yes, he's 32 years old, although as he made it perfectly clear during his introductory press conference, quotes, a lot, a whole lot left in the tank. It was his shortest response when asked about just how much he has left after 10 seasons with the Texans. And then I think it was the following days he showed up on a podcast and I think it was Adam Schefter and it was the first time because I remember telling you the next day, the first time I had heard J.J. Watts and Reggie White in the same sentence. And I think those are great comparisons for what they've done. But you look at Reggie White's career, tremendous career in Philadelphia, and then leaving Philadelphia after eight seasons and going to Green Bay at the age of 32, playing with the Packers at the age of 32, played six seasons. Pro Bowler, all six seasons. First team All-Pro, twice. Again, age 32 and beyond. And J.J. Watt brought that up and said, look, there's no reason why I can't do that. Takes great care of himself. Eats right, works out. And I don't think we should put that much of an expectation on him, at least until we see it. But that is what he believes he can be is after so many years in one spot, you go somewhere else, and it's almost like you have a a second career all to that one particular team. So two careers in one, if you will, like Reggie White did with the Eagles and Packers. And the thing is, you know, who knows if he's going to play six more years, but, you know, I like to go back to that Packers defense because, you know, when he was there, they were kind of in their heyday winning. I don't know how many Super Bowls they won in that time. Um, but for the most part, though, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good example. Um, you know, I'm more interested in what he does this year and next year, and we'll see if, if the Cardinals are able to, you know, get him on that third-year deal. I'm sure uh, when it comes to money, there's some uh, avoidable years in there. But his, he's got a low cap number this year, 4-9, which is team-friendly. Um, and then next year it kicks out to about $15 million. So um, he's got to stay healthy. And like I said, I'm just really intrigued how Vance is going to use him. And, you know, it's going to be interesting just to see how, you know, if like you said, if you got a lead in the fourth quarter – um, you're up by d- double digits now. No lead is safe in the NFL. Um, Very true. Usually the last five minutes, teams aren't as paranoid as they are in the first 55. So, But if you get a nice lead and you can run the ball and leave them on the sidelines, that's only going to make them better. And the c- case is they're winning and versus him being out there trying to get to the quarterback in the fourth quarter. And that's going to happen this year uh, based on the score. So um, this is a really good upgrade at that position. I mean, you can't I – mean, I don't know – You can draft a guy and hope he develops, but this is a plug-and-play guy from day one. One other note on Watt and his age. Obviously, Steve Keim, when J.J. Watt was on the market, looked at the film and still felt that J.J. Watt offered something. It's why the Cardinals signed him to a two-year contract worth over $30 million with $23 million guaranteed. But Gil Brandt, you like him, MJ, as far as what he is all about, what he knows, what he writes, what he says. And for those that aren't familiar, Gil Brandt, yeah, he works for the NFL Network and NFL.com senior analyst, but he is responsible for building the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm not mistaken, he is in the Hall of Fame, correct? Correct. Him and Tech Stram. And he also does uh, radio on Sirius XM NFL radio. He has seen more football. He has talked more football than I ever will. And his knowledge of the game is tremendous. So whatever he says, his opinion, I think, ranks very, very high. You know, he, he has a lot of connections. And, you know, if Gil Brandt's calling, you know, he's probably asking who looks good and all this because he's not – he can't be everywhere. Now they do a ton of interviews on Sirius and he, he they allow him to write a column. So I got to think that somebody's giving him a heads up. Not saying he does not on his own, but clearly he must be hearing good things because he was on his list. Last month. Gil Brandt listed nine players who are guaranteed, in his words, guaranteed to play better. And the first three, Cam Newton, Matthew Stafford, Carson Wentz, all quarterbacks and in their 
second season, obviously Cam Newton with the Patriots, Matthew Stafford in a new system with the Rams, and Carson Wentz, new system now with the Indianapolis Colts. But he believes that those three players, based off 2020, will have much better 2021 NFL seasons. Number four on Gil Brandt's list, J.J. Watts. And this is what Gil Brandt wrote. It might seem like Watt's career is in steep decline, given that he's logged just nine sacks in 24 games over the past two seasons, but I'm bullish he'll prove otherwise in 2021. The former Texan should get a boost himself from joining a front seven featuring defenders like Chandler Jones, Isaiah Simmons, Marcus Golden, and Zayvon Collins. Watt may be 32, but let's not forget how his last 16-game season on a competitive team worked out In 2018, Watt racked up 16 sacks, seven forced fumbles, earned Pro Bowl and first-team All-Pro honors. So that is J.J. Watts on Gil Brandt's list of nine players guaranteed to play better because everyone talked about Watt last season. Yeah, 16 games, but you know, you only had a handful of sacks. Well, he was asked to do a lot with the Houston Texans. He didn't have much help. He's got a heck of a lot more help with the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, if you're going against that defense, and I mean, they all three layers, they weren't really – at the end of the year, they're, you seem like they were playing practice squad players. And according to ESPN stats and info, and along with pro football focus, 36% of the time double team. So if you double J.J., who else is going to make a play? And that was the situation, and that's why – you know, obviously, Sean Watson played well. I mean, he he put up numbers in a losing effort. Um, but again, I, I just don't think he's going to face those double teams like he did last year. By the way, the uh, rest of the list: Ezekiel Elliott, Yannick Ngakwu, Patrick Peterson showing up on this list at number seven. Then he's got Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster tied at number eight. But the first three quarterbacks and the first non-quarterback is J.J. Watt at number four. What's interesting is. You know, not the entire list, but a lot of those guys are on new teams. Yes, and you're hoping that maybe new scenery, new opportunity, fresh start. We've talked about that ad nauseum as far as the number of new faces the Cardinals added after extensive period of time. J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, Sean Williams, all those players picking up and going elsewhere for the first time in their career. Yeah, Cam Newton. I mean, clearly, you know, Mac Jones is going to be the future, but they play the Buccaneers in Week Four. Uh, I don't think Cam. I don't think they're going to go with the rookie quarterback. So he's going to get every opportunity, and I think that team will be a lot better. They went out and spent 180 million. I don't even think Robert Kraft purchased the franchise for 180 million back in the day. Uh, yeah, that's they spent more money in this offseason than they purchased the franchise. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, but uh, again, some of those guys are on new teams. We know that the, you know the Rams feel like definitely upgrade the the quarterback position on paper. Definitely, we've seen Matthew Stafford go against the Cardinals. Uh, he could sling it. And then you look at some guys like um, he didn't mention Sam Darnold. I don't know how many wins they're going to have, but obviously you got a guy like Joe Brady and he got some weapons. Christian McCaffrey, and then Carson Wentz. I mean Frank Wright. Uh, you know, he was a backup quarterback. He was a really good college quarterback. I think he went to Maryland. I think Boomer Esiason went there too. Um, and he's a really good quarterback's coach, and he was with him in Philadelphia. So you would think Carson Wentz, and they're a team that's knocking on the door. You know, Phil Rivers made some mistakes in that playoff game. Otherwise, they, they have a playoff roster. So I'm curious, even though he didn't make the list, how he'll do. Again, a, a guy that's on a new team. Well, let's not hope he does too well, especially on – Christmas Day at State Farm. No, Stadium. no, 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 no. And we got to face uh, Sam Darnold, right? <laughs> yep, 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 yeah. yeah. Cardinals have to face him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not sweating anything. We're not. No. We're not lining up. The Cardinals have to face. No, him. yeah, we are. We are nowhere near the uh, football <laughs> field. By the way, Bergang, if you're hoping to see J.J. Watts in action this season, single game tickets, season tickets available on azcardinals.com/slash/gameticks. AZCardinals.com slash game T-I-X. And don't forget, there are two Protect the Nest ticket plans. Each ticket plan features four games, including prominent primetime matchups. There is a red plan, which features the 49ers, Packers, Panthers, and the aforementioned Colts. And then there is the white plan, Vikings, Texans, Rams, and Seahawks. More information, go to azcardinals.com slash tickets or call the Cardinals ticket sales office at 602-379-0102. Um, this is the J.J. Watt podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to break everyone else down, but 
this we just gave you some some you know stuff that's happened since March first um, when the Cardinals uh, made the announcement. He obviously broke the news. So, but I'm just fascinated what he can do in this in in, in this organization because these guys don't come along very often. It is absolutely true, and he is part of a defensive line room that I think deserves some attention, and let's give it to him here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, we've talked 30 minutes about J.J. Watt, and I do think he has earned that, but he is not going to be out there by himself. He's going to have some others, so he is joining the following players who are back this season. Jordan Phillips, Zach Allen, Lecky Fotu, Rashard Lawrence, and Michael Dogby. We kind of touched on all of those to a certain extent. Dogby, the former 2019 draft pick, he has some upside. I just I don't know if time is running out for him, but there's a reason why the Cardinals keep bringing him back. He spent much of last season on the practice squad, but 14 times he was protected. They did not want to see him leave. And then Fotu and Lawrence, their first seasons dealt with injuries. Fotu missed three games with an ankle injury. Lawrence was limited to nine games because of a calf injury, though, We've heard a lot about Lawrence from Vance Joseph, and it was Coach Joseph who pointed out how well Lawrence played Week 17 at the Rams. And now I know our colleague Kyle Odegaard doesn't believe in momentum, but I think the Cardinals are hoping that there is a carryover with Rashard Lawrence from Week 17 that maybe that light switch went on for him. And now entering year two, he can be a part of that rotation and maybe a a large part of that rotation. Unfortunately, those guys weren't able to, um, you know, get on the practice field last year. Everything was Zoom, and you can just see the difference in their bodies. Uh, I think Lucky is a guy that, you know, he's going to earn more playing time. And then Rashard Lawrence seems like he can play a couple different positions. He can get, he can get skinny in the hole. Um, and Dogby, to me, it's a numbers game. Um, you know, normally they'll keep seven on the roster. I think you'll see a couple on the practice squad just because of injury. And so you look at it on paper. I mean. Um, Jordan Phillips, Watt, Allen, Fotu, Rashard Lawrence. And we'll have to wait and see what happens with Corey Peters. Doesn't sound like he's going to be ready until training camp. I don't know if, I don't think they've ruled him out. Um, I know that they want to kind of see what they have in Rashard Lawrence and Lucky Fotu, but he's a great locker room guy, great in the community. And he could provide some leadership there, even though you do have J.J. Uh, Watt. So I don't know. Um, I thought he was playing well last year before he got hurt. And I was adamant about this team bringing him back, and it hasn't happened as of yet. We'll have to wait and see as we get closer to training camp, which, hey, you know, we're, we're almost there as we speak here as far as training camp. And maybe, you know, by the time people listen to this podcast, maybe – Maybe Corey Peters has latched on to a team. I did see some video footage recently in the offseason showing him working out in the lateral movement and the backpedaling. So he is certainly interested in playing and not ending his career like it did a year ago. We'll just have to wait and see. But I do think what you said as far as that leadership and just being that savvy veteran, maybe you're not as quick, as fast, as strong as the guys you're lining up with, but you have something they don't. You have the experience. You have some training maybe that those young pups, if you will, haven't quite learned yet, and you can still be very effective, especially when you're in the middle as that nose tackle, if you will, and trying to be a run stuffer. Yeah, and I think it speaks volumes that he was the representative for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. I mean, you know, Antoine Bethay was that a few years ago, but like I said, he's raising his family here. To me, the decision will be coming, you know, he looks at where the where the team is. You know, I don't know what the asking price is. I'm sure that you know he, he kind of has an idea, but does he want to move? I mean, move for five months. I mean, it, it's tough when you get to this point in your career. But he still wants to play. So sometimes you got to make that decision. It's a, it's a business and then a family decision. But I'm sure he would like to come back here just because familiarity. Uh, the organization respects him. It's vice versa. But we'll just have to wait and see. Wish Corey Peters nothing but the best. And as MJ said, we'll just wait and see whether that continues in an Arizona Cardinals uniform. Really excited about year two for Jordan Phillips in a Cardinals uniform because here's someone that's got the big money deal 
a year ago, and I think there were a number of expectations on Jordan Phillips, but he played just nine games last season. Started the season's first eight games, then hurt his hamstring, returned at the Giants in Week 14, re-injured the hamstring, and ended the year on IR. So his numbers are not great. Two sacks, three quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Someone who was very effective with the Buffalo Bills in a contract year, and yes, he got paid. He earned that money. Now it's about making sure you earn that money in a Cardinals uniform, and we can say everything we want here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But Jordan Phillips knows himself that he needs to not perform better, but just be available and then see how you perform once you're on the field. I mentioned briefly earlier, I, I like the way he was approaching uh, the drills. Of course, they're all, you know, listening to Brinson Buckner. You know, he's a guy that can, you know, clearly help some young guys out. I think it's more you have to ask him versus him trying to correct you, uh, you know, put your armor on someone. But it's what have you done for me lately? And, you know, this is going to be a big year for him based on his contract moving forward. I mean, you know, Zach Allen eventually is probably going to get an extension or approach free agency. They feel like between Rashad and, and, and Lecky, they're going to be here for the next couple of years. So it's a big year for him just to stay. It's just it's about staying healthy. He looks the part. He's huge in that, in that jersey. And now he's going to have more help around him. And healthy Chandler Jones or Marcus Golden on the outside. And, you know, the fact that they can slide him in, and maybe times he lines up next to J.J. Watt. Who are you going to double team? So – it's what have you done for me lately, but I, I think he knows when we look at the contract, he's going to have to perform uh, worthy of what they decided to give him. Well, and we've seen Phillips perform. Yeah. Hasn't been in a Cardinals uniform, but you know that he has that talent to be very, very good. It's just been the availability, and some of that's you just it's it's part of the game. You 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 can't do anything about it, and it's a case maybe a little bad luck, and it's just unfortunate. But to your point about now having some help around him. You know, you're not asked to do as much, and maybe there's a little bit more freedom for you as well because there's some attention on a Zach Allen or there's some attention on a J.J. Watt or Chandler Jones, and all of a sudden Jordan Phillips does light it up at some point this season. You know, hamstrings can affect everyone, and and if you're a skilled position player, you know, sometimes you'll run 80% and then they tell you to open it up, and then all of a sudden you get a little uh, burning sensation in the back of your hammies. I mean, he's a big guy, so the fact that he had this hamstring injury that left him on the shelf, I mean, it was probably a little bit worse than we probably knew because, you know, at the end, during the week they're not going to tell you he's out of the – he's not playing, but obviously when he doesn't practice Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you get an idea. So um, that could be severe for a guy like that because his explosion is everything. You know, he's, he's in a three-point stance or a four-point stance or he's got one hand in the dirt and he's trying to get through there. It all starts with your lower extremities – and your, if your hamstrings aren't up to par, it's hard to move around. Your lateral movement wouldn't be the same. And he looked very good during OTA's minicamp. He looked camp. healthy. And that, again, you're not going full speed, but you're going through all the drills at 100%, and I saw nothing to the effect that, hey, you know, he was taking drills off or reps off or anything. He was right there in the mix and going as hard as he could. Now, again, you're, it's, it's drills, so, you know, no one's stopping you and you're not in full pads. But to your point, he wasn't standing around watching. He was right there in the middle, and those are things you pay attention to if you are a player that ended a year ago on IR, like, all right, well, where are you in your rehab? Or, you know, how hurt were you? Or, you know, was how serious? And obviously, yes, it was serious to land him on injured reserve, but not as serious to where he missed offseason work. The way I look at it is is the fact that, you know, they they signed J.J. Watt. Now, it's voluntary. He, he, could, he could have said, I'm still rehabbing, and we wouldn't see him on the field. I just... It's just a different mindset. Last year in camp, I, I watched him a little bit, and you know, Brinson Buckner's hard on these young guys, and you, sometimes you got to break them down to build them up. And you could tell he wasn't on the same page with Buck when he was talking to these young guys. It was just a drill we were watching, and so I'm like, okay. But they have familiarity. He was with Vance um, in Miami, and you listen to Lorenzo Alexander. He, he, you know, he said he had, listen. As long as he can stay on the field, this guy can help the team. So that's the that's the whole, whole important part. But I'm glad he showed up. Again, he's under contract, but it is voluntary. And sometimes guys got things going on. Uh, but 
But if he could stay healthy, I, I again, I really like this um, this front uh, front seven, but in particular the D line. Well, let's touch on Zach Allen as well. Entering year three, former third round draft pick last season, thirteen games played, started seven, and I think again one of those other players that you're sitting there looking at. Okay, when available, when healthy, but he might be coming into his own here in year three, finally getting up to speed and growing into his body as far as what it takes to be successful and stay healthy at the NFL level. Zach Allen's a guy that I mentioned, you know, the last couple of years, and a lot of these guys can get stronger. And I, you know, I think Mason Cole was in that same boat, and we wish him luck in Minnesota. But he's got the, the he's got the size, the work ethics there. You know, there were times he came off the field last year, went in the locker and come back, and then, you, you know, at the end of the year you say, well, he played 14 games. And so uh, you can build off of that, but he's only going to get better we know that he had over 100 tackles, and that was intriguing to the Cardinals. And at Boston College. At Boston College, yeah. And, again, I don't know if he's ever going to fill up the stat sheet, but he can get tackle for losses, he can get stuffs, and he can make tackles at the line of scrimmage when it comes to the rush defense. He did fill up the stat sheet against the Eagles in Week 15, 11 tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss, one quarterback hit, one pass defense. I mean, it was a game for the ages, a career game for him, but it did show the Cardinals and everyone else what Zach Allen is capable of doing. Yeah, normally that would be a month stats for him. And again, it's a lot of times based on who's on the field with you, um, and then... you. Know, how many snaps are you getting? And is he out there on third and five, or is he out there in third and ten? Because that's where you can fill up the stat sheet. But as long as he's able to maintain his spot and he's not getting blown off the ball, and sometimes a tight end is going to try to ship him, um, just be in the right spot. I think it will help his career. But he's got a, the ceiling's high for him. And if I'm not mistaken, didn't Vance say that he's got some similarities to a young J.J. Watt? It was a comment that I think raised some eyebrows, but let's kind of dissect what Vance Joseph was saying. Zach Allen now reminds Vance Joseph of J.J. Watt at Zach Allen's age. You're not projecting, but what he sees out of Zach Allen, he saw out of J.J. Watt, so now it's on the player to kind of you know continue to get better. So that was the similarities that Coach Joseph saw with Zach Allen, who he did say, quote, made huge strides last season. So they are, I think there is an expectation of this Cardinals coaching staff that Zach Allen can take that next step, that next leap in year three, like we talk about with Kyler Murray, with with Byron Murphy, that entire 2019 draft class, they're always associated, yet it's always the quarterback that gets talked more about. But don't forget about Zach Allen. Yes, he too is entering year three, and I think year three, that's that's when you know you, you should be able to, to get it and kind of figure out what your role is going to be and, and maybe go from good to great if you want a long career in the National Football League. Zach Allen, 23 years old, 6'4", 281. J.J. Watt, 6'5", 288, 32 years old. So um, when they stand next to each other, Watt is just a little bit bigger, just based on the height, but only eight, only seven pounds difference in weight. But as we heard, J.J. Watt is kind of leaning on Zach Allen right now as far as to get him around the facility around town. But the flip side is Zach Allen has got to be like a kid in a candy store as far as learning and soaking up the knowledge of one of the best to ever play his position. You've got J.J. Watt in your defensive line room in your position room after how many years watching J.J. Watt on film and on games on Sunday and now all of a sudden you turn to your left or you turn to your right and the man that you grew up probably idolizing or patterning your game after he's he's now next to you as your teammate I am looking at the roster right now Jordan Phillips 6'6 341 wow <laughs> I, I never thought he was 341 he, he's big though. It's six six. Anyways, uh, and then you throw in um, Lucky. He's three thirty. I mean, talk about beefy. Well, that's the one position group that we get the closest at during OTAs and minicamp because as the media is positioned underneath some shade trees, the defensive line is working out right there, and, and we're within you know three four feet of these guys. And yeah, they're all they're all towering over us. You know, skinny media people. Yeah, especially you over there. Yeah, I'm all I'm all I'm skeleton, all bones. 
Xavier Williams, 309. I guess I like that. I mean, again, J.J. Watt, that's why he, he can split double teams because he's 288. When you get a guy that are 330, they're asked to just basically occupy the center and the guard and try to be a run stuffer. Yeah, a lot of beef, if you will, in that defensive line room. And you mentioned one of the newcomers, Xavier Williams, although not really new because he spent his first three seasons with the Cardinals, former undrafted rookie free agent. He is back, signed late this offseason. So he is a newcomer, as is Ryan B., Cam Murray, and David Perry. B didn't play last season. Murray, an undrafted rookie free agent out of Oklahoma State, and Perry hasn't played since 2018. Williams, though, is the intriguing name in all of this because you're going to make a move late in the offseason right ahead of OTAs and minicamp. There's a reason, and perhaps Xavier Williams, with what he's shown he could do, with the Cardinals, and then after leaving the Cardinals, winning the Super Bowl with the Chiefs in 2019, maybe he could be that nose tackle or backup nose tackle, but just another body to see what they have left and then, more importantly, see what the guys you currently have and hope to fill that position, especially the young players in Lawrence and Fotu, that can they be that guy in year two? And if not, well, you need to find somebody. Maybe Xavier Williams could be that guy or a David Perry who does have experience, just not recent experience. Yeah, Ryan B, 6'7", 280, more of a defensive end. Uh, David Perry, to me, I mean, he's kind of like a little bowling ball. He's got huge calves, 6'2", 317. As uh, we pointed out when the Cardinals brought him in here, he hasn't played since 2018, but he does have some NFL starts. So really when I start, we start going through these names, uh, Michael Dogby could be on the outside looking in just based on draft picks, uh, free agents, uh, but again, they're going to try to load up certain positions on the practice squad, but you know, we'll have to wait and see. There's always a surprise or two. Someone that comes out of nowhere and then you start talking about them, and, but it's preseason and, okay, what happens when it play starts for real as far as these games count? Then what happens? Well, and we know you can have a 16-man practice squad, and it seems like everyone's eligible. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. It's, it's certainly the, the rules for the practice squad have been expanded, well, I think for good reason, too. Well, and, and for COVID last year, I mean, you know, uh, trainer, or head coach, GM, wake up in the morning. Somebody tested positive. Well, all of a sudden, and you talked. You've done a good job letting us know who was protected throughout the year. And you could see when you mentioned um, was a dog be fourteen correct protections. Well, Jordan Phillips on the shelf. So all of a sudden, you, you know, you don't want to go thin at that position. So, um, according to the, everything I'm reading and hearing, they're going to go back to the sixteen uh, men practice squad, and I, I think that's awesome because. You, you can maybe a guy's not ready like Tay Gowan. Is he going to make the roster? We'll see. If do they keep five corners, um, they could go five and five. They can go nine. But that's what you're going to get better. You get to practice every day. Um, you know you get you know you're in the training room. You're watching film, and and really Belichick has done that for a lot of years. Where you know he would put a guy on IR, and then they they call it stashing a player. But here it's 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 on the transaction log that he is a practice squad player. And then maybe next year, Malcolm Butler's on a one-year deal, Robert Alford, what kind of year he has. So all of a sudden now you you've kind of have depth at that position. Now we got to find out if they can play or not. Let's bring this episode talking about the defensive line full circle. Obviously, when you add a J.J. Watts, certainly that changes the narrative and the picture, what you have in that defensive line. But overall, given the amount of guys who are returning – and then maybe the X factor, literally Xavier Williams being that quote unquote newcomer, if you will. But JJ Watt, Jordan Phillips, Zach Allen, Lecky Fotu, Rashard Lawrence, those are five names right there. And how many defensive linemen do you typically keep when you're playing a three four? And sometimes, a lot of times last year, we saw just two down linemen on that defensive side. I think you keep seven. Now, you may only dress six on game day. Um, well, before we get out of here, let's talk about where, where they ranked last year because there were games when I thought they did a decent job on some of the running backs. I mean, they didn't face McCaffrey, but for the most part, they were ranked 22nd in rushing, giving up 125.5. Now, 25th in rushing yards per play. They allowed the fewest touchdowns? Fourth fewest Fourth rushing th- touchdowns, th- 13 touchdowns. 
Again, so they were give they were giving up yards, yeah. but then close to the goal line, inside yeah. the five, inside the ten, they were not allowing a lot. But it wasn't like the previous year when they gave up eighteen touchdowns of tight ends. Yes. Yeah. So to me, that's where the JJ Watt and the healthy Jordan Phillips come in, and then the the, the run stuffers in the middle. I mean, you're never going to be a top five, but we know they've been top five in rushing um, yards per carry. And, and it tailed off, but if you can just, you know, if if you go from twenty two to eleven, that's improvement. I mean, and if you go from twenty five to top twelve, I mean, because when you get to December and January football, you have to stop the run. I mean, that's part of it. Yes, the weather changes back east, and you know teams are jockeying for a position for seating. So, I do think that unit will be uh, one of the more improved. Uh, based on what they have right now on paper. What you don't want to have happen is what happened in Week 16 against the 49ers at State Farm Stadium. 49ers rushed for a season-high 227 yards, averaging 7.6 yards per play, and that was arguably, maybe not even arguably, the worst game defensively played by the Cardinals in a game that mattered. You win that ball game, you're in the playoffs, and you didn't show up. And I think the lasting impression of the Cardinals and the Cardinals defense, week 16, week 17, it lingers. And it continues to linger here in the offseason. And I think that's what the front office and GM Steve Kahn specifically, you're looking at, all right, what do we need to do to change this picture that people have? He mentioned getting more physical, bringing in more leadership. Those were all major factors in all of the offseason additions, including in the draft, as far as to improve this team to take it from on the outside to in the playoff picture. Yeah, I can see Jeff Wilson still running right now. <laughs> and C.J. Beathard, I mean, you know, he, he lost his brother. You could tell they were playing for him. They, they have gone back and forth with him and Nick Mullins, but I agree with you. That, that was a dud, and I did not see that coming. Yeah, let's, uh, let's quickly put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Before I get more and more upset <laughs> thinking about that Week 16 game against the 49ers, it, uh, it, 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 it haunts you, Bird Gang. It, it really does because you're so close and, well, you know, we, we know what happens. We're, we're turning the page. 2021 well, here is the focus. According to Kingsbury, I mean, they, they almost had a, a – a lead at the halftime in week 17. Yes, if not for uh, pick six. And there you go. You're, you're, no, you're ripping I'm just off saying, the scab, No, MJ. no. <laughs> Kingsbury was on a podcast with Schrager and uh, McVeigh, and he said, finally, I was going to go in half with the lead. And unfortunately, uh, was it Troy Hill? I think, yeah, I think, yeah. He okay. had two pick sixes yeah, okay. all season. Both. Yeah. The, yeah, okay, right. Yeah, you, you just keep rubbing salt no. in the wound there, MJ. Listen, I remember coming in after the season, we were like, wow. They didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, it is. Uh, but it, that's the beauty of the NFL. I hope all 32 teams think they're better this year. Now, when you hire a new coach and you got a new quarterback, it takes time. But this team has been building. Now it's a matter of you know knocking on the door and going through the door. Yeah, we don't want history to repeat itself. Some new history in 2021 for the Arizona Cardinals. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We have one more position group to discuss. We'll do that later on this week. And then, of course, training camp right around the corner. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.